Welcome to the Future of Insurance Industry Leaders Podcast. I'm Denise Garth, Chief Strategy Officer at Majesco. If you're interested in the latest industry trends and new technologies that are reshaping the future of insurance, you're in the right place. Stick around to hear my discussions with industry leaders as we help uncover today's emerging opportunities for the future of insurance. I'm absolutely thrilled today to welcome Ahmed uh, from Deloitte to our podcast today as one of our closer strategic partners. Ahmed, welcome. Thanks for having me to the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. So I'd like to have a little bit of background about yourself, Deloitte and our strategic partnership, just to kind of give some context as we go through the conversation here, particularly around digital and and billing. Excellent. Sure. Uh, My name is Ahmed Abdulwali. I'm a senior manager at Deloitte in our what is called insurance core industry solutions practice. And I help clients build solutions, you know, modify some of their underlying technology components and uh, strategize on their core policy building claims and digital technology challenges. Because of that, I do touch some of the core underlying past platforms and I have visibility into impacts across not only the front end, but the uh, middle layer or the interoperability layer, depending upon you know who calls it from a transformational perspective, and then also some of the downstream data and insight platforms. So you know, understanding the business and technology impacts across the entire enterprise is really core to what I do in helping clients with the technology solutions on a day-to-day basis. You know, recently I've spent a vast majority of my time solving technology challenges in the payments and billing space. And I've enjoyed stepping into the space that, you know, traditionally wasn't, you know, really a uh, focus for clients that I've worked with. And so I think, you know, one of the things I think about, I reflect on is just just the impact of uh, COVID and how that's really stepped up uh, customer and agent expectations around how we engage, you know, whether it's touchless interactions or, you know, making processes around making payments and understanding kind of bill presentment really that much easier. So I do look forward to this conversation today. You talk about COVID, but that's just one of many things that are really kind of impacting a new demands on billing and payment. You know, we've got a changing set of demographics of customers with a more digital oriented individuals. We've got new products that may need uh, different types of a billing approaches. We've got value-added services that don't really fall into how much premium you have, you know, to be able to calculate a billing amount. And then there's this whole concept of customer expectations together with COVID, which I think really accelerated these new expectations and demands, really exposed, I think, this last year, some of the challenges we have from an insurance industry standpoint for billing and payment, even those with on-premise modern systems that they might have replaced in the last 10 years. Talk about that overall shift and what you have begun to see that is really required for next-gen billing today. You know, I'm not sure if COVID was the primary reason insurers are looking at improvements to their payments and billing platforms, but it did help to either get organizations to evaluate or accelerate what plans they had in place. You know, in large part, uh, this is based on what I noted earlier around the increased need to provide touchless interactions and the need to make payments and billing just the process in general that much easier. You know, if you think about it, at the height of COVID, if you had an issue with understanding how to read your bill and you called your insurer, you, you know, you probably had a, you were funneled through a series of, you know, button presses in an IVR process before you got to a person, if you got to a person, or you had to wait a long time to, you know, to even get to a person. So I think in either case, the experience really wasn't that good. And so for an interaction that you know, should be simple, we've now made it complex. 
the key thing to note is you may not join an insurer because of their payments and billing process, which is pretty much the obvious. But if that process is an optimal, you darn sure aren't going to stay. So, you know, if the experience isn't what you expect, you're not going to stick around, right? And so I think that if you look at demographics, which is another thing that you made reference to, you know, the, the Gen Zs and the millennials of this world, or, or aka the future buyers of insurance products, there's an interesting study that I read, right? And so a part of the study you know, that I read was basically noted how important the payment experience is for that group, right? And so if you look at that demographic, they're not really interested in pulling out a credit card, typing a 16-digit number, entering an expiration date, and a CVV to make a payment, right? That's just too much. And, you know, so the payment options that they're looking at, you know, whether it's Apple Pay, Cash App, Samsung Pay, things of that nature, you know, providing those capabilities become that much more important, you know, as a channel to provide, you know, as a payment channel to provide. And, and you know, so if you think about where our industry is, you know, paying via a credit card for some organizations is a new thing. You know, and so we're kind of behind a ball if you think about it that way. And don't let me talk about other options like, you know, crypto. I don't think from an industry perspective, we're even there yet, right? And so, you know, I think about the last thing about new products, right? And I think that things that are coming around around creating uses-based products or, you know, products around embedded insurance or other experiences for like, as an example, if you want to buy travel insurance as a part of, you know, buying a plane ticket, things like that. In these types of scenarios, the same holds in terms of providing a you know flexible options around how you make payments. And when you talk about the customer experience aspect, you know the ACHs of this world or the credit card transactions are good. They're stable. They're reliable. If you think about the future, it's not going to be good enough for yeah. folks that are going to need insurance in the space. Yeah, you know, and really kind of getting into that, those payment options. You know, there's really been a rapid emergence and adoption of new payment channels such as Apple or Google Pay. We now have cryptocurrency and that places even more expectations and demands on insurers, particularly from a user experience perspective where maybe they don't want to enter that 16 digit account and security code from their credit card as an example. I just read something recently that said 46 million Americans already own Bitcoin and expect to use it as payments. That's a lot of people owning Bitcoin. How are insurers needing to adapt and the billing systems that need to be in place uh, to be able to support all of these new payment channels? Yeah, that's a great point, Denise. And, you know, it, it's interesting when you, when you think about, you know, the audience and the buying process, right? And, and I'll take a step back a bit, but, uh, you know, Bambi Boomers and Gen X came up with checks, ACH, credit cards. And, you know, that was the payment options that, that they had along with some aspects of maybe making payments via, you know, web portals, right? You look at millennials and Gen Zs, and I think as I made reference earlier, right, that they have a new style in which they expect to make payments. And, and really, you know, it's important that the insurance company is able to adapt and has the technology footprint in place to be able to provide that optimal payment experience, right? And so what you're seeing here is essentially the buying patterns and the buying processes that have been shaped by you know, the quote unquote Amazon experiences and different types of external to insurance experiences are really helping to influence, you know, the way an insurance organization should be thinking about their payment and billing experience. So when I take a step back and kind of think about this, so as an insurer, it's key that when looking at the underlying technology infrastructure, investing in the necessary capabilities required to enable these new experiences, it's not an option, right? I mean, th this is something that must be done. I read another article in which most insurers are looking at how to address these technology gaps, you know, whether the focus is on experience, 
cloud migration, data and analytics, or a combination of all of these. And I do think that uh, the net takeaway is insurers are realizing that all of these experiences need to have some level of investment and you can't just sit back and just do nothing. You, you will definitely fall behind your competition and fall behind the eight ball as it pertains to being future facing with your technology stack. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, that kind of ties into another area, you know, that's kind of a change that's going to have an implication for billing and payments as well. And that's in some of these new risk products that are coming to market. You've got UBI telematic products, not just auto insurance today, but you could have you know, life insurance can have homeowners insurance and there's other types uh, that are there. In addition, you've got embedded insurance where, mm-hmm. you know, it's part of the purchase of something else, as well as, you know, these new value added services that, you know, we've got some of the large insurers that are starting to buy up some of these services to offer them. And they're included in maybe with the risk product, maybe you pay separately for it. And that really demands a different kind of a billing approach with the demographics really kind of looking towards some of these new products. What's required in a next-gen billing system to really meet the pace of change and innovation that we're seeing in products and services for the industry? I think that's an excellent call. And one of the things that I I make reference to is, you know, an organization needs to look at their technology stack and the stack should demonstrate some level of agility and flexibility to, to make changes to support the business almost on the fly, right? And again, I state that really in large part because of the increasing needs of the business to cater to their customer base. And so, you know, how does that happen? As I think about that, I look at a couple of different things, right? And first, when and where applicable organizations must get off of their legacy technology. Obviously, you can't just lift and shift. And there are certain risks and different ways in which organizations need to think through how they get off a legacy. But if I take a step back and I were to look at what is the end game, I would think about what I need to do to get off of my legacy technology in large part because through my experiences, what I've seen is that has inhibited uh, certain abilities to to implement capabilities that would help support the business. Second, I think about the cloud strategy, right? You know, do you want to enable specific billing capabilities in the cloud? Do you want to own those capabilities? Do you want to buy those capabilities? You know, having a pretty well thought out cloud strategy is also going to be important. Again, as you, if you think about, you know, how you're going to maintain and spend to manage the maintenance of the technology. And again, still thinking about what is required to provide that agility and, and nimbleness within the body of the system to provide those, those capabilities that, uh, that the business is going to need. I would say, you know, how future ready is your existing technology infrastructure? You know, where are your gaps? Have you prioritized those gaps and how you intend to address them? You know, so these are certain things that when, especially when I sit down with some of the clients that I work with, you know, we have these conversations because in large part, if, if you haven't thought through what that strategy is going to look like, then, then we don't know where to start. Are we looking at, you know, maybe the, the customer engagement as a starting point? Sounds nice, but if the underlying technology doesn't allow for the support to actually support that engagement capability, then it puts us in a bit of a rough bind. Right. You know, we look at things that I've, I've seen organizations look at. How do we update our interoperability layer to provide, you know, the API related services, whether we're connecting to, uh, you know, internal systems or third party systems so that we have those capabilities in place. We're providing those data points, whether real time or near real time, or really in an effort to, again, to provide those capabilities that the business is going to need. The key thing here is thinking about what we need to do 
the body of our technology stack to enable the business. That should always be the focus when we think about what's important for these organizations. Great. So, you know, one of the things that I think about from a billing and payment perspective is that within the fintech arena, of which InsureTech is kind of a chance within that, we're beginning to see some significant influence once again, you know, kind of what we saw five, six years ago when InsureTech kind of emerged uh, out of fintech and we saw this huge influx of VC capital coming in. Today, we're seeing this concept of open finance and open banking, as well as the growing unsecured payment options, such as a Venmo and a Zelle or a new digital bank model. They're partnering with the likes of a Walgreens or a Verizon. They actually are setting uh, customers of a Verizon and a Walgreens or actually have accounts then within these kind of neo banks, they call them, you know, that uh, they kind of own that experience. What are the implications of next-gen billing and payment solutions for this? And how does an ecosystem fit into that? Because Mm -hmm. I know for me, I use Venmo when I'm kind of buying things on different marketplaces, you know, in in a buy-sell marketplace, and it's pretty easy. And it's pretty easy to set up and connect with either my credit card or my bank. Uh, Same with even like, you know, other types of, of experiences. So what do you see this next kind of wave of things coming out of FinTech that could impact insurance? It's interesting, right? I remember reading an article few years back, it basically the article noted that the insurance industry is starting to realize that they're playing catch up as it pertains to kind of what's happening in the banking space. I think if you fast forward to today's world, I think we're still playing catch up, right? Mm -hmm. And to some degree, you know, those technology spend requirements, you know, really were escalated because of the recent events of this past year, you know, 18 to 18 plus months. Uh, But, you know, one of the key net takeaways that I think of for for most of the C-suite leaders that I've engaged with is really just you know, and understand that technology spend is key to enabling future success. You know, with that, I think that organizations see the importance of, of creating certain alignments, Majesco being key here for us as we talk about alliances. I cite an example, right? And I, one of the companies I work with, they've uh, built a relationship with an organization, I think, called Coverages, right? And so, you know, what they do is they basically made a, a business model around embedding insurance products into, you know, into retail or, or booking travel experiences. And so, you know, the implications from a billing standpoint is, you know, insurers will need to evaluate, you know, if and when it makes sense to enable these new payment capabilities. And so if it does make sense, you know, when and how, and, you know, are there clients expecting flexibility on how, and, you know, when they want to make those payments, right? And so I look at the Affirma, right? What you're seeing in a retail space really around the ability to kind of defer payments and, you know, giving the control back to the consumer. So again, some of this stuff is going to be important if you think about it from, you know, flip it to kind of the insurance space, you know, are the insurers providing the optimal experience for their clients? Are they uh, able to leverage, to leverage data as an asset, right? These are some of the things that, you know, you think about when you're making payments, you think about kind of how the entire billing ecosystem could be modernized in the same light of what's happening from a fintech perspective and what the fintechs are doing in the banking side, enabling yeah. the banking side. Well, you hit on another area that you and I have had some conversations on, and that is from a technology perspective, data, digital experience, cloud, APIs, this whole kind of AI machine learning, all of those kind of fit into this kind of next generation technology stack. How do they need to think about future-proofing that technology stack? And what should they look for in a next-gen billing and payment solution if they're going to go to market to try to respond to all of these changes that we've been talking about? It's interesting, right? When when I think about 
how sure should future-proof the tech stack? It's almost like a snowflake, right? I mean, no two are alike. Uh, I wish there was just a one-stop kind of do this, this, and this, and that'll solve all your problems. But there are certain common themes, right? And, and so, you know, what I will say is, in my mind, focusing on the experience of the customer agent base, as well as your employee base, and kind of leading with that as a philosophy, you know, will definitely frame, you know, how, in my opinion, how you should be spending your money and time on your technology stack. And the implications, as I mentioned earlier, they spread not just from an experienced front-end standpoint, but they spread throughout the entire technology stack, right? And, and so do you have the underlying interoperability layer that uh, provides a level of integrations that are required to, to hit the necessary third parties or internal data sources to pull the content you need? Uh, are your internal data sources providing the necessary content to paint a picture of the insured whether it's you know a 360 view of the insured or provide content for the insured, right? Provide the necessary content to to provide insured the confidence that you understand the relationship with that person or that entity. You think about the importance of that engagement piece is kind of being key to drive those needs across the tech stack, and that's where I, I would think is one of the most important kind of key places to look at. You know, the other part of this, if you think about it, is you want to make sure that you're constantly thinking about the evolution of the tech stack, right? And so although experience, as I mentioned earlier, is key, you want to think about how you evolve some of the other underlying areas of the tech stack, really. And I look at an, an example of some of the struggles organizations had around COVID time, whether it's rolling out premium credits and actually applying some of those credits, right? And so uh, in some organizations, it, you know, they were able to make the shift in, in three weeks, right? Four weeks. Other organizations, it took them months and, you know, massive teams to kind of turn around the necessary internal churn to provide those credits for their users. So again, it's, it's about the experience, right? And so if I'm, if I'm not getting what I need as an end user, then I'm going to you know, look elsewhere. So if you don't have the optimal tech stack, you, you will put yourself in a position where you will lose the ability to potentially bring on additional insured or maintain your existing set of insurers. As we kind of um, get ready to kind of close here, Ahmed, talked about a lot of different things, you know, some of the trends and some of the things happening outside of insurance and fintech, customer expectations, et cetera. And that's a lot of change. One of the things I like to ask everybody is where do you see the future of P and C and industry in the next three years? And what does that future really kind of, you know, visually kind of, if you could describe that, what do you see mm -hmm. in three years for the industry? I see insurers in the P and C space continuing to move to their cloud journey. I see a reduction of legacy tech footprint, again, in large part because of the changing internal demographics, the need to kind of stay cutting edge as it pertains to providing the experiences required to maintain insurance. I see insurtechs as playing a complementary role to insurers, right? I don't think, I think maybe a few years ago, there was this, there was talk around kind of insurers disrupting the entire industry. I, I don't see it that way. I, I see them as, you know, there are certain services that, that, that are being provided could complement some of the traditional insurers. Uh, so I see that continuing. You know, I think that the industry is probably going to shift focus on the importance of experience across all engagement channels. As I mentioned earlier, it's really because of the pressures of the Amazons of this world, really raising the bar on what's expected from, a, from an experience standpoint. I think the other thing I think is it's important uh, of having an organization that can identify new products 
and develop those products quickly. The example I make reference to is I, I, I was aware of uh, an organization that was able to uh, spin up, and I'll use this uh, wholeheartedly, a, a cannabis product, insurance product in four weeks. So you want to have a technology stack that can support that, right? And so without having those abilities, you may, again, you may lose the market share, you may lose the population of people that, uh, that are looking to be insured because your technology stack can't move to serve those needs. I definitely see an industry identifying ways to appeal to the youth. I think it's important, but I've heard from time to time that, you know, insurance isn't sexy, right? You know, I think organizations, and I've heard it. And well, I've heard it for years. <laughs> I think some of the organizations I've talked to are really spending some time reaching out to the younger generation because it's important, right? Uh, the future buyers insurance, we've got to figure out how to get their attention what they are attracted to from a buying perspective and providing the, you know, the, the, the necessary products to keep them engaged. I've had several conversations with several larger tier organizations that it's fresh on mind because uh, they are looking at kind of what's what they expect to happen in the future. So that's where I see the market going, uh, just from my opinion. Great. So my last question, I ask everybody, I love this question and I love the, uh, <laughs> love to hear what everybody says is, if you could pick one word to describe the future of insurance, what would it be and why? One word. Wow. Uh, I'm going to say experience-led. And I say that because I really, I truly feel that, I've highlighted this over the course of the podcast here, but I truly feel that the expectations from an experience perspective have risen. If you want to get the attention of a potential buyer on the PNC side, whether it's on the personal or commercial side, it's really important that the experience for those buyers, for those uh, people that are looking to consume the products are optimal uh, or in this environment, the social media driven environment, you will lose and you will lose bad. You know, and, I, and, and again, I hate to wrap on a solemn note, but there was a, um, a carrier a few months back didn't have a, a fun time when some of their key power plants in uh, Texas went out and, and some of their key uh, service areas were impacted greatly and could only interact, I think, via Twitter at one point in time. So things like that, scenarios like that, you know, shows the power of uh, the power and importance of experience and making sure that experience is kind of at the forefront of what organizations are looking at going forward. Great. Well, Ahmed, it's been great speaking with you today. Some really great insights and it's one of the most exciting times in the industry, and I've been in it for a few decades. It's actually one of the most exciting times of the industry that I've seen, and there's so much opportunity ahead, just thinking strategically and thinking where customers are going to be, what their expectations are on experiences, and how they want to really engage from a billing and a payment perspective. Um, the opportunities are really endless. Agreed. Insurance yep. is sexy. <laughs> Insurance is sexy. <laughs> well, thanks looking forward to uh, working together as jointly work uh, with a number of different customers in the industry to help them get to the future of insurance. Yep. Totally agree. Thanks. Thanks for the time, Denise. That's a wrap for this week's episode of the Future of Insurance Industry Leaders Podcast. Be sure to sign up for our email list and follow us on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss out on our next episode. I'm Denise Garth, wishing you a happy podcasting. <laughs>